Welcome back to the Weighing In Podcast presented by Track Wrestling. This is episode number 101. I'm your host, Alex Steen. On the phone, as always, David Mirakitani. How are you, David? Great, man. How are you? I'm pretty good. It's raining here in Oklahoma, but it's still 80 degrees in October. I can't decide <laughs> if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Yes, it depends if you're a, a summer person or a winter person. But if uh, if you're a fall person, it's no good no matter what. So... Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be what it's going to be. It's been strange here, too, like rainy and then rainy and cold, and like today it's 84 degrees, so a little crazy. Yeah, I know our, our East Coast friends are hoping for a little less rain as another hurricane's on the way up there, so uh, hang in there, all y'all that are ha- dealing with the flooding. Yeah, 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 thoughts and prayers on that for sure. Uh, a lot of news to get to, so we'll jump right into it. Um, since the last time we did this, the under-23 team for the World Championships has made three changes um, out. Our Vitaly Rujo, Mitchell McKee, and Michael Machiavello in Sean Foz, Colton McChrystal, and Christian Brunner. At least in one case with Michael Machiavello, turns out he's a little too old. He's going to be 24 before the end of the year, which puts him outside the UWW eligibility. Um, David, what's your reaction to these lineup changes? Well, I mean, other stuff's injuries or all the rumors that, you know, guys like us are hearing. You know, I, I struggle to figure out how they let somebody enter the qualifying tournament and win the qualifying tournament that they knew was too old. Like, I'm so old when I wrestled 20 and unders were called S-bars or S-bars, and, which was the fence name then, and juniors were junior and seniors in high school. But your coach and – you know, USA Wrestling would always just check these things to make sure, like, okay, you're not cadet eligible or you're not junior eligible or you're not S4 eligible. Um, and, you know, then there was, like, the 24 and under, which is now 23. Like, I mean, I wrestled in, like, national levels of all these. And, like, the thing that kind of is unfair is whoever he beat in the semifinals maybe was the best guy or maybe the quarterfinals. We just don't know. They just picked the guy that took second. But he actually shouldn't have been in the bracket, which means the whole thing should have been succeeded completely differently. And it's entirely possible and a different outcome would have happened. So I just struggle with that one because that's literally just checking dates. As far as the rest of it, I mean, as long as we do this stuff in November when it's in college season, I think you're always going to see guys qualify. And I doubt you're ever going to see it 10 for 10 and all those guys end up being the ones that go. Now, what were your thoughts when you saw it? Well, I kind of had the same reaction you did. I mean, it's it's surprising. I didn't look into whether, you know, UWW changed the dates or anything else, but that's pretty standard for them on any age group to be, you know, born in a certain year. So it's surprising that Machiavella was allowed to wrestle. I'm kind of the same, going the same direction you are on that one. Um, so that's unfortunate, but uh, hopefully that doesn't happen again in the future. A little surprised to see Sean Foz taking on a tournament at 61 kilos when he's going to go back to 125 this year, but that's what he entered. So that's the only part he's eligible for. I'm just not sure he's going to be big enough uh, for that weight, but he'll get a good experience in, Um, you know, it is what it is. Like I said, it's uh, college kids that mostly are looking ahead to folk style season at that time of year. I mean, that's that competition is November 12th through 18th. So that's right in folk style season. Um, So, yeah, I, I agree with all the all your thoughts about it's probably not going to be 10 for 10 and good luck to those guys going. So, um, you know, 
I mean, we've even seen it at the World Championship, the senior level team. We've got three subs for that too. So some of this is just going to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's just attrition, and I know we're going to get into those those senior level studs here you know, eventually. Yeah, yeah. We'll just move right into them, um, and then we'll circle back to the new D1 program. Uh, so Nashawn Garrett, Ali Reagan, and John J. Chavez are out, uh, one for each style, um, all due to injury. Joe Cologne, Jenna Burkert, and Rayvon Perkins are in. Uh, Got to say, before I get your reaction, Rayvon Perkins, this is his third time. Well, his, this will be his first world championship, despite the fact that he has won two trials in the past. Uh, one, he had tested positive for a diuretic, so he got suspended. And then he came back and won the Olympic trials in 2016, but couldn't qualify the weight. Um, and as I recall, that was very close to qualifying it a couple of times. Um, so happy for him, obviously disappointed for the guys that had to sit out for injury and alley, obviously uh, two-time world silver won't get a chance, but uh, you know, step in and we've seen those replacements do well at times. So hoping for the best. What, what are your thoughts? I think it's the same thing, you know, like I think the one thing that people, you know, I actually heard about Nation. I mean, you know, you know kind of who I'm friends with and stuff like that. So I heard about that a little bit earlier, I think, than most people. and. I love Nation. He's I've, I've had a chance to hang out with him and have dinner with him. He's an awesome guy, and he certainly earned that spot. But Joe Cologne is actually going to be the four seed, and you're the one that kind of pointed out to me that the four seed, in some sense, is better than the third seed because you're in the top half of the bracket. And you explained this to people several, well, I guess it can be several months ago because you and I haven't been doing this that long, but maybe a month or two ago that all the 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 pigtail managers go in the bottom of the bracket. So if you're in the four seed, you're already in the round of 16 in most cases. So, and I think Rashidoff's on the bottom of the bracket. So it might be better for America in just terms of where he's going to be drawn. Cause and we'd never know, obviously, cause we don't know where nation would have got drawn in, but in general, being seated is better than not being seated. And certainly being seated on the top half of the bracket Somebody else said something to me, and I think it's probably a fair statement. It is probably the smallest gap we have from the one guy to the two guy. Yeah. You know, where, you know, like, again, like a guy like Kyvin Getz, and I love Kyvin, and his dad was one of my mentors, but the jump between what Kyle Snyder has won and what Kyvin Getz has won is, is obviously pretty significant. You know, what Joe has done at the world level and what Nation has done at the world level are, are really, really similar. So, you know, that's where the draw might actually help somebody. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I mean, uh, you, you hit on all the high points. Cologne and Garrett were very close. And I saw, you know, I saw Cologne compete at the World Cup. He's right there with some good quality wrestlers. So, um, you know, not a huge drop off. And seeded fourth is going to be huge. Um, it might, we'll see how many people enter the world championships. It tends to have larger brackets, but yeah, the first buys go to the top half. So that's a good place to be. Um, you know, it, we'll see how he does. I don't think a lot of people are expecting us to meddle there. Um, but we've seen guys come out of nowhere before to do it and he's going to be in a good spot. So good luck to all three of those. Um, and we'll see how it goes in less than a month now. So getting excited. Well, really short, and, and Track's doing that countdown, 
you know, every day. So, I mean, yeah, it's definitely a short time. And what's kind of cool is this is a slow time. You know, we had some high school wrestling going on this weekend. Uh, you know, a couple of Missouri guys wrestled in that. But, you know, really, the next couple of weeks are sort of, you know, not a lot of competition besides the world, which is great for people that love international wrestling and great for track wrestling that was the host of that event. So, I mean, people need to check that out set up where you can, you know, get all the matches and buy the archives and everything else. And even if you're just a technique junkie, being able to watch all those matches and break stuff down is just incredible. So, you know, people need to, you know, come to the website and definitely buy that and, and enjoy literally the best wrestling in the world. Absolutely. Best wrestling in the world. That's exactly it right there. Um, for those college fans out there that I know we have a lot of, uh, we'll have a new D1 program. Uh, it looks like the LIU Post and LIU Brooklyn athletic departments are combining and going to Division One. So we'll have an LIU Division One wrestling program starting in 2019-20. Uh, what do you think, David? Obviously excited, right? You know that these pro, you know, D1 starting to add some programs, and you know, New York, Long Island. Uh, when I think of New York, I think of my buddy Frank Papalizio. And, you know, just how many good kids have come out of that area, you know, recently guys like Yanni and Vito and people like that. So um, anytime you have a program in a state with good in-state wrestling, it gives them a much better chance for a ton of reasons to be competitive, uh, not only initially, but on a continual basis. So really good, you know, really good decision. I think it's, it certainly outweighs having, you know, maybe lose you know, two programs merge into one, so you're net down a program. But, you know, certainly the more programs you have at the highest level, it usually trickles down and, and makes the other levels end up, you know, catching more programs anyway. And we've seen a lot of growth in the junior college and then the NIA and D3 and D2 level, more so than the D1. So I think I think just the general reaction there of people is this is a good thing. I, I would assume you look at it the same way. I do. Um, I think this is kind of an interesting, um, kind of an interesting, I don't even know what the right word is to say. It's, it's cool to see somebody combining a couple of athletic departments because obviously we're in a different era economically, especially at the higher education levels. Um, you know, athletic departments are having to look for ways to make things work. And this is an interesting way to approach it. Um, for wrestling, obviously, it's good to have D1. You mentioned that we're we're growing in the other levels. So when we start to see a little positive momentum in D1, that's a good thing. And obviously, we've added a couple of new programs lately with Fresno State coming back. And then uh, we've got Presbyterian coming on board. So Arkansas Little Rock. So obviously, those are good things. And now adding another one, I think, uh, Obviously, a good part a good part of the country to add it to. New York's got a ton of um, experienced guys, good states around there, and you know we don't have a lot of programs up there. Obviously, Cornell is up there, but that's a, a little bit different than an LIU type program. So, anytime we can bolster the offerings, that's a good thing. Um, it'll be interesting to see if we see more of this, especially if you know higher education funding continues to be difficult to come by if we see more programs combining, um, especially where you can in a system like LIU where there's several, you know, you can see the NYU program maybe do something similar. Um, so be interesting to see what happens. 
but it's yeah, it's a good thing, and uh, we wish them nothing but the best, and we can't wait to see their program, you know, competing at the NCAA tournament. So that's a good thing. For sure. And we'll let's see, moving on, All-Star Classic participants are starting to filter out. Um, the headline was announced recently: Seth Gross and Tariq Wilson will reprise their epic match from the NCAA semifinals at the All-Star Classic. Uh, if we get anything close to that one that was double digits on either side of the board and into overtime, it will be worth the price of admission alone. Um, but we've also got a, another star-studded roster developing. You know, We've got Max Dean and Miles Amin on the men's side also announced. And then on the women's side, we've already got Nicole Joseph, Gabrielle Ramos, Ramos Diaz, Brittany Marshall, and Charlotte Fowler announced. Um, it's going to be a great event. You know, it's one of those nights every year where there's just a ton of All-Americans and national champions on display. It's a lot of fun. And we've already got a headline match, you know, already announced. And it's the first one that we actually have. Yeah, I, I was interested. Is it, did I read this correctly? It's at 141? You know, I didn't even look at that, but that would make make it even more interesting. Uh, I thought I read it was at 141. <laughs> well, you know, I, I kind of glossed over that when I read the Sean Foz news that, you know, it was going to be, you know, Foz was going to wrap up at 133, but then I didn't check the weight class. Yep. And sure enough, it is. It's going to be a 141 pound bout, which that's, that's very interesting. I mean, obviously we know Seth Gross is willing to go up to 141. Um but yeah, now now we get to speculate on whether Tariq Wilson is going up to 141 or not. Yeah, that's honestly that's the part that fascinated me. You know, I was like, I mean, it makes sense, right? It was a great match. I mean, me six doing worlds, you know, like, you know, and this was like you said, a barn burner. I mean, some of us may or may not have had Tariq Wilson on our fantasy teams last year and paid a lot of attention to that match. So, um, yeah, I was just like, wow, like this is how they're going to do it. It just really surprised me that that's, you know, that that's where it, that's how they're doing it. But I think it's cool. I mean, it's a great match. You know, Mike Moyer and those guys always do a good job of putting good matchups together. And I think this is in Denver, right? Yes. Yes. In Denver. So I, I think the altitude, I think that's going to be an issue. I think it'll be super interesting. You know, I got a chance to be with Bryce Meredith this past weekend at the wrestling combine in Kansas city and, I talked to him about that and he just said, you know, it's stuff's really no joke until you, you know, you're in it. You just don't really, you know, you don't, you just can't really prepare for it. I think it's just kind of what he was, his point was. Yeah. And I mean, we see every year, you know, at this all-star classic, since it's the first competition for these guys right off the bat, there's always a wide range of, gas tanks and how how prepared people are at that point in the year because you know it takes some guys longer than others to get into competition type shape and you don't want to peak in november you know the other thing that occurred to me obviously i'm reacting to this because i didn't know it was at 141 i didn't catch that part of the announcement when it first came out but we saw last year with the mark hall the heat valencia thing it doesn't officially count for seating purposes but because of the coaches' ranking, it kind of does. Um, it definitely does. You can't unsee it, right? Right. You can't unsee it. The coaches' ranking ended up making the difference between the one and two seed for those guys. But if you wrestle at a different weight class, 
maybe maybe it I, I, I know where you're going with this, but as a coach, I'd be like they both made the same weight, right? Well, but that's the thing. It depends on you know, the descent plan being what it is, if somebody if these guys are gonna go wrestle the next week, they might not be able to wrestle one forty one. In fact I would be surprised if Wilson You mean they wouldn't be able to wrestle one thirty three. Right, one thirty three, you're right. Uh, you know, because well, first of all, nobody wants to say this out loud, but they can just both write one thirty four point nine. No one's gonna know. <laughs> okay, like let's just be real. So that can definitely happen. And the second thing is, I don't even know if an all star meet counts on your dissension plan. It does. Any official weigh in counts. So well, but is that an official meet? Uh, I think the weigh ins count, as I understand it, because they actually. Well, I'm not sure even of that because it doesn't count as an official date. Right. But even if it does, I mean. Trust me, if you've ever been in a college weigh-in, like, and guys are descending, like, there's guys literally looking over the guy's shoulder to make sure. Like, we had a guy that came down, and he had to make exactly this weight. And I told him, I go, if he doesn't make this weight, he's not entering. Right. Because he was descending. And I go, and you guys have to write this the right way. This guy's entire season depends on it. Right. And he made it by tenth, but, I mean, you know, you can't just round people off. So, no. Yeah. I mean, it can mean whatever it wants it to mean. Obviously, we'll see it play out. Um, but I can't imagine, you know, like that was the crazy thing about Gross wrestling Meredith last year was he made 33 and then just wrestled 41. Right. And that, I would kind of expect that this year that Gross will be close to 133. Now, he may not have to make it depending on when his next, you know, competition is going to be. But Wilson may not be because I don't know when they're planning to make him you know, compete for NC State. Um, I don't know if they'll do like they did with Sean Foz last year where he doesn't compete for a while into the season. I don't I don't know how big he is. So he but the fact that it's up at one forty one kind of suggests that at least one of them didn't want to cut all the way to one thirty three for it. So that's interesting. Um Well, and you know how this stuff goes. It may end up being a catch weight, right? Right. I mean they may end up saying we're gonna wrestle one thirty seven. They may end up saying we're gonna wrestle one thirty five. And so somehow they're both, you know, amazingly eligible to wrestle 133 the next week. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sound like jaded David, but I mean, I'm just telling you, I've seen this stuff before. Yeah. So, I mean, I think I, I would hope that with the new system, with the weight, I mean, it's in track wrestling, the OPC is there with the descent plans. This stuff is being paid attention to more closely because, you know, I mean, I wrestled under it too, and I, I know what you're saying. People make the numbers show what they need to show um hopefully they're not playing too many games with this because you know you want things to be on the up and up but the good news is it doesn't none of that will matter when they get on the mat it's going to be a great show and yeah be a great match and that's really the important part here i can't imagine it's going to be a three to two match right i mean if it is i don't know what we do with that (laughs) well it could be three to two with a bunch of amazing scrambles right it could be uh I, I would expect it to be three to two if somebody gets pinned in the first period, maybe. Ah, tricky what you get there. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, hey, there, you and I usually make, you know, people don't know, we obviously go through a checklist of things we're going to cover. There were two things that, not just, and it's not a spring on you, you'll know this, but the thing that you were so excited about a couple weeks ago. Uh, was officially announced the electronic tapper for the referees uh-huh. and then it was officially announced the 28 seeds for the national tournament you know that they're essentially going to seed all 33 which i think you and i were the first ones to talk about that that's officially out now as well 
Right. So yep. those are just important things for people that maybe didn't listen a couple of weeks ago. The 28 seeds thing, I think, well, they're both, I think they're both in, a, in different ways, obviously, going to make college wrestling better. Yeah. And I mean, you'll see the headlines will say they're seeding through 33, and they are. However, those last four seeds are, or those last five seeds are going to have a little bit of flexibility just so that the pigtail isn't the exact same place in every bracket. Um, they're still all going to end up facing a top four seed in that round of 32 um, if they get that far, obviously, uh, because there will be a pigtail. But So they are going to see yeah. out that far. And that's really- Yeah, you and me are nerds. I mean, really, they could have seeded the 32 and then just random drew the 33 guy into either – you know, 29, 30, 31, or 32. Right. And they may be doing that. I can't, you can't really tell. It doesn't say for sure. You just know yeah. that the, the pigtail is going to be in there somewhere. So that's cool. Uh, like I said, we've covered that before, but sure. they've had the technology for that for a while since they went to this well-defined automated system. So that's cool that they're going to do that. Yeah, it's great. Uh, and we'll we'll jump over to we'll jump back to the UWW side of things for a little bit. Um, Helen Marulis made her made another world team. Um, wrestled off this weekend, won two straight matches. Looked good. Obviously, she's had some concussion issues for a while. Um, anytime you have have to wait until October to wrestle off, it makes you wonder a little bit. But she looked good. Hopefully, she's ready to go uh, and win another gold medal. But she is officially on the team. She will not be seeded. The final seeds are out, obviously, with all that time off for injury. She didn't get a chance to go to any of the seeding events. Uh, but the Americans that will be seeded, Thomas Gilman will be second. Uh, Japan is not seeded in that bracket, so that will be an interesting draw. As you mentioned, Joe Colon seeded fourth uh, now that he is on the team. Kyle Dake will also be seeded fourth on the same side of the bracket as the Russian who beat him at Yargin, so that will be an interesting semifinal projection if they both make it that far. David Taylor is seeded second. Uh, Yazdani from Iran is not seeded in that one. Gwiz is seeded first with Petriashvili projected as the fourth seed right now. Taha Atgul does not project to have a seed at heavyweight, so those three could all end up on the same side of the bracket. Let's hope that doesn't happen. Um, Neither Sajalayev nor Snyder will be seated at 97, as all of Sajalayev's points are at 92 kilograms. Uh, Whitney Condor is seated third. Wait, wait, before we jump over to the ladies, let's go through the men here. All right. So, I mean, I think some of the things to point out are Stever's not seated, Green's not seated, Burroughs isn't seated. So Burroughs could catch Chimizo anywhere along the way. Right. To me, though, I mean, I think that, you know, I mean, obviously that's the case with any of these guys, but it's just, and there's not, there's no good way to seed the world. I mean, like, there just isn't. And at least they're trying. So, but like, Gwiz is a great wrestler, but I mean, I don't think anybody thinks he's the best, you know, 125er in the world, but he's done what it takes to to get there. I mean, Joe Colon was second in America, but he's going to get the fourth seat at the Worlds. Right. So, I mean, I think what would be interesting, and maybe we can talk about this next week, is, you know, how many guys and how many girls in, the, you know, in each of the, you know, men's, women's, Greco, um, we think are going to medal. Because obviously a lot of it depends on draw. You know, I think Gilman's a guy that, you know, people kind of think he took advantage of a good draw last year. 
but he's really sort of validated that with his performances since then. I mean, he didn't have a great World Cup, but, you know, he beat Fix, and he, he has beaten some good guys, and he seems to kind of be peaking, you know, at the right time. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, you, you know, you mentioned that there's no perfect way to seed and I agree with that. One thing that we need to make, well, there's two things I want to make sure everybody understands about these seeds. First, you know, we, we see it a little bit with our side. I mean, obviously if Cologne had not gone, he wouldn't have gotten the fourth seed and the next person in the standings would slide up. So there could still be some movement if certain people don't enter because you don't inherit your country's seeding points. If they don't enter, they don't get the seed and the next person slides up. The other thing is, this is a weird year. I completely did not agree with UWW's decision not to use last year's world championship results, even though they put out the point scoring guide to how the worlds would be would be scored in the future. They did that because last year they didn't have those two extra weights. So they decided not to do it even at the eight weights that are the same. Um, in each style, which that was a weird decision for me. I didn't agree with it at all, but it should help some of this. Um, you'd see more of guys like Burroughs and guys like Snyder seated if that were the case. So next year should be better. Um, it's going to get weird again in the Olympic year and in the following year with a lot of people changing weights, uh, but especially for next year and going into 2020, those weights should be, the, the standings should be more accurate. The seeds should be more accurate. I don't know why they decided to do it. Well, I know why. I just didn't agree with the logic, but it should get better. And then hopefully they'll tweak it a little bit as they go along to make it a little bit better. It's, it's better than nothing, but yeah, it's not perfect at all. Right. But I mean, I kind of agree with what you're saying that this is the one year they could have used that data because this is the one year guys aren't jumping around, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, next, well, and we're always going to have some weight changes, but yeah, uh, they could have used the eight from last year at least, and it would have helped a lot, but you know, it, as I've understood from them, this is a hard thing to get into place at all. And there are still some countries that aren't interested in this at all. So, um, we have to take what we can get, I guess, in this case. And it, it is better than nothing. It should, hopefully it gets better next year. So. Yeah, I had an interesting conversation with Bickley, Cody Bickley from USA Wrestling uh, this summer. And, you know, he, he was explaining all this to me. And he just said, you know, he talked about all the difficulties of doing it. And he said, you know, at least now, like if our guys don't wrestle and they don't get seated, they really only have themselves to blame. Right. And yep. so I, I think that's, you know, I think that's a really good point. Well, and that's been the point of putting this in. Like, everybody knows what the rules are now. So it'll take a couple of years for everyone to adapt and decide if they care about the seeds. And obviously the more top guys and girls that care about the seeds, the better for us because that way the system will work better. Uh, you know, if guys like Sajulayev never want to go compete, they don't have to because they are the bad draw. Um, but that's going to hurt the brackets in the, in the long run. So hopefully we'll, we'll see more of those types wrestle more often. Yep. Uh, jumping over to the women's side, Whitney Condor, as I mentioned, seated third. Um, Sarah Hildebrandt is the top seed with Japan third, which is a nice 
Uh, bonus for her to get on the opposite side of the bracket from the, the women's freestyle power. Um, Kayla Miracle would have been second, but didn't make the team. Mallory Velti won the spot. She will be unseated. Uh, Molinari is seated second. Tamara Mensa-Stock is seated second. And Adeline Gray is seated second. She is currently projected to be on the same side as Erica Weeb from Canada, who beat Gray at the Grand Prix of Spain in July. So another potential semifinal to watch there. Yeah, I think it's be interesting to see how the women bounce back after kind of a, a subpar performance at their last tournament. I think, you know, we're spoiled in, on how well the U.S. women have done. You know, as Coach Steiner and those guys have done an unbelievable job. And it does go to show you, like, you know, Kayla Miracle would have been the second seed in the world and didn't get the spot. It's also showing that America's starting to build some depth. I think Forrest Molinari's girl that I got to watch wrestle a bunch just because I was able to coach at some of these events. And, you know, she's her composure. She's young. She's very young and just super impressive with her composure. And literally it seemed like I, I watched her improve, like in tournaments that were six weeks apart, like she literally looked like she was a better wrestler than she was at the last one. So her learning curve, her improvement curve seems to be pretty steep right now. And, you know, see somebody that, you know, maybe the America or maybe the world doesn't think she should be the two seed, but she might be somebody that can actually live up to that seed and make the finals. Yeah, you mentioned, you know, it's been some, had some rough results. I mean, a couple of those were Allie Reagan. And obviously we find out now that she's been hurt um, and hurt enough that she can't make the world championships. Uh, so that's significant. Uh, but yeah, we have an interesting lineup this year. You may obviously have, Helen Morellis is the is the leader and Adeline Gray is multiple time world champion, so that's awesome. But then you have a lot of like Molinari and Mensa and Velti and Hildebrand who have been around a while, at least at you know, the WCWA level and moving into the senior level with most of them. Uh, but they haven't gotten that world medal yet. Uh and they have the I think everybody expects that they have the ability to do so. We'll just have to wait and see whether they can break through. Um, you know, international events seem to be boom and bust, so it seems like one of the people we expect to medal won't and one that we don't expect to medal will. That's just kinda of how it goes usually. Um but yeah, I think that uh, they'll be an interesting team to watch for sure. Yeah. Yep. And I mean I'm sure that you you kind of happen like you know for those of us that wrestled but sometimes you forget what it's like when you haven't wrestled for a long time you know years and years for some of us you almost invariably win more from losing or lose i mean sorry learn more from losing and so i think that maybe some of the of the women's team not having their best results they're going to be more motivated maybe be more focused in training and can really, you know, learn from the tape, learn from what they did wrong. You know, if they were making any dietary, you know, bad decisions or anything like that, they can get it cleaned up. And I, I certainly think that with as well as the team is seated, they're poised, you know, they're in a good position to wrestle, you know, really to a high level at that tournament coming up. Absolutely. Um, and just to mention, Greco, we don't have any seeds um, which you probably would expect. And so there, they will, I still think we can get a medal or two on the Greco side. We certainly have opportunities, uh, just won't start from the seeds. Um, but as mentioned, the draw will be 
huge uh, for our Greco contingent as well. For sure. So if you've been following along, thank you for listening. And we've been going through the NCAA D1 weights, kind of looking at the rankings, going through our picks for the top four and a couple of wild cards at each weight that we think can All-American that'll start the year ranked outside the top eight. Um, we've reached 174 pounds this week. Um, surprising absolutely no one, Zahid Valencia will start the year on top. Uh, as we've covered here before, he's staying at 174 pounds, not going up to 184. Um, so he will be the defending national champion and start the year ranked number one. Mark Hall follows him, and those two are followed by Miles Amin, Daniel Lewis, David McFadden, Michael Kemmerer, who jumps up two weights, uh, Jordan Cutler, and Chandler Rogers will be the one we rank here. We've explained a little bit about Oklahoma State. Um, we've been trying to, we don't know anything about their lineup any more than anybody else does, but uh, just trying to get their best guys in the rankings so that the team rankings work out correctly. Uh, rounding out the top 10, Taylor Luan and Dylan Lighty from Purdue. Uh, David, what jumps out to you at 174? Well, one, two, three, four, six, and eight are back. And then McFadden was fifth at 65. Kemmer was fourth at 57. So I made a judgment call that fifth, jumping up one weight, is ranked above fourth, jumping up two weights. And, you know, but you could argue that the other way. You could order or argue Jordan Cutler should be above both of them since he was at that weight. You already mentioned the Chandler Rogers thing. I mean, um, I don't normally do this, but this morning I actually wrote down who I thought my wild cards were. And this, uh, a couple of these feel, you know, at least one of these feels fairly obvious to me. I, I, for the life of me, I don't see, I, I have a hard time seeing anybody break into that top six. I don't know how you look at it, but it feels like, you know, that's, you know, Chandler Rogers is, is super dangerous though. So I think maybe he's the one guy, but all those other guys are pretty well established. And I mean, like, you know, people criticize the schedule, but Lewis came into nationals undefeated last year, you know, and, and Hall was officially undefeated and the heat was undefeated. So, and, you know, Miles Amin probably had the toughest schedule in the country where he had to wrestle all of these guys. I mean, he just had an unbelievable schedule last year where he hit almost every guy in the top 10 in a couple cases, multiple times. Yeah, I think I would probably go seven deep with hard to break into. I just – I think Cutler deserves to be in that group. Um, it's, it is. It seems to be very tiered. You've got the top two. I think Miles Amin is kind of on a tier of his own at, thir at third. You know, we've talked about him before. Going into last year, it was kind of a question of whether he could duplicate what he did at the NCAA tournament in 2017 for a whole year, and he absolutely answered those questions in the affirmative. I mean, he did a great job, and now he's back. I, I have a hard time seeing him jump into that top two, but I think I would expect him to hold off everybody else. And then you've got just a bunch of experienced guys who have been there, done that. You know, they've done – They've been All-Americans. They've been around. They've won big matches. You know, Kimmer going up two weights, it'll be interesting to see, but he certainly has the frame to do it, and he had all offseason. They made that decision very early, so I have no problem seeing him being a full-size 174. And so, yeah, it's going to be hard to break into that top notch, and I'm 
just based on your comments, I bet we have at least one wild card in common because, yeah, I see one down there that's very obvious. Um, but it's hard to see how high they could go because that's a really experienced, really talented group. And this weight is going to be difficult to break into the top eight. Um, if it's Jacoby Smith for Oklahoma State instead of Chandler Rogers, that would be very interesting. Wrestled, you know, the last part of the year on an injured knee. If he's healthy, he's obviously incredibly talented and can go with anybody, probably from Lewis on down. But how many of those guys can he actually beat? I'm not sure. So that's kind of the answer for a lot of these guys. They can go with them. Can they win those matches? That's going to be the hard part, I think. Yeah, I agree with you. So, I mean, I do you have odds? Is that right? Uh, yeah, I think that's right. So I, well, I, I remember I had to do 49, which I think has been the toughest one so far. So, <laughs> well, I, I would I had 65, so you have 74. Okay, I would much rather pick first at 74 than 84 because I I had trouble with that one. So uh, all right, uh, but yeah, 74. I've got Zahid to repeat. I mean, that doesn't take much explanation. The guy's a machine, and he's probably a headgear pull away from being undefeated his first two years. Um, I've got Hall in the finals again, finishing second. I've got a mean third, which obviously from my previous comments, no one's surprised by. And then I've got Kemmerer being finishing fourth. I think he's going to, I think he's going to benefit a lot from not cutting down to 157. I think his body by the end of last year was just had had enough of it. And I think that was some of his injury problems probably, uh, but he likes to wrestle a high pace. So maybe not having to cut as much weight will be beneficial for him. And, got a lot of offense so that's always a good thing to have um, you know beating guys like Lewis and McFadden is no gimme by any means but that's my pick is Kemmerer um, and then wild cards obvious one to me at least was Mikey Labriola coming off redshirt in Nebraska um, had a very nice redshirt year I think it, it looked to me like his gas tank could improve a little bit but I expect that he will you know now that he's focused and in the lineup every week and if he's improved on what he was last year, he's going to be right there for to be an All-American, and those five, six, seven types are going to have a hard time holding him off. Um, my other wild card, it's harder to pick after Labriola because I don't think there's another obvious one, but I went with Tashawn Campbell from Ohio State uh, on the theory that he looked pretty good at times at 165, but it looked like the cut really got to him, so an extra nine pounds we might see a different to Sean Campbell uh, for Ohio state this year. I think he could sneak in there. Uh, it's going to be hard. Uh, there's a lot of names already. Somebody has got to drop out for him to get in there, but I think we'll see an improved version of him. Yeah. So I had Zahid Hall. I mean, um, I kept Lewis at four. I feel like he's, I guess nobody's earned anything, but I feel like he's earned it. He's a three-time all American. And I think he can give Kemmer and those guys trouble so long, and he's just dangerous on top. I mean, we have to remember, like, he rode the dog poop out of Deeringer one time, you know. So, I mean, he's, he's dangerous in a position where a lot of guys aren't. Uh, Labriola was the obvious one as well. And then I just picked Taylor Lujan just because I think I kind of struggled between him and Johnny Sebastian. So, those were kind of uh, that one. But, I think, you know, Lujan – 
to me, he's a really hard guy to wrestle if you've only wrestled him once. You know, once you kind of get a feel for him and his funk, it's a little bit easier. But, like, he gave, you know, he gave some guys a lot of trouble. So, you know, if he, if he can win the big 12s, he could get a pretty high seed. So, you know, sort of be, uh, you know, it'll be interesting. So, uh, those are, so we have the, you know, we both had Labriola, then one, two, three, and then I got Lewis and Lujan and you got Kemmer and Campbell. So that'll be interesting. For sure. Um, <laughs> and I realize now that we've, we've got a little bit out of order. We meant to talk about the UFC at some point, but this, that, that naturally transitions right in from NCAA division one. We've talked wrestling this entire podcast. I think we've got time to break down. If you didn't see it over the weekend, uh, Khabib was able to beat Conor McGregor, so I guess I picked that right. Um, I won't claim to have known that was coming in beforehand more than I just wanted it to happen. Um, submitted Conor McGregor. There was a wild, wild scene afterwards with people coming into the cage to throw hands with Conor and Khabib going out of the cage to go after one of Conor's entourage. Um, what did you make of all this, David? <laughs> and for the people that don't know, I'm the one that begged you to put this on the docket. So uh, let's start with wrestling's the best martial art. I think, uh, you know, that's been proven time and time again. I got a chance to visit with Mike Winklejohn, who's uh, the co-head coach of the Jackson Wink Gym in New Mexico, literally got a chance to coach side by side with him. And he talked about how wrestling is the hardest thing to teach, that they can teach the guys jujitsu, teach the guys striking. And, you know, but they tend to recruit and try to get a lot of wrestlers because it's the hardest thing to teach. Uh, they're used to the hardest training and, and wrestling controls, whether the fight stays standing or uh, goes to the ground. So I think people that kind of understand the fight game a little bit figured either Connor was going to knock Khabib out in the first round or else Khabib was going to have his way. And the first flurry was very interesting. Khabib shot from way farther out than he normally does, shot way lower than he normally does. Connor was kind of in that outside, head outside crotch position. And for people that say, well, Connor's not very good at wrestling, well, I don't know anybody who starts wrestling at over the age of 22 that becomes good at wrestling. Like the only guy that I've ever seen that might be the case, and there's varying reports on when he started, is George St. Pierre. But you're either good at wrestling because you've done it a long time, or you're not because you haven't done it a long time. Certainly there's guys that did it a long time that ended up, frankly, sucking, but it's almost impossible to be good at it just by being athletic because so much of it is feel. And if you to have the feel, you have to be in those scenarios, in those situations. So, you know, that's the first part of it. I think there's a little bit of hypocrisy on both sides. I mean, I certainly don't think we understand the Russian or Dagestani culture. I had a chance to be with Eric Guerrero this weekend, and he was absolutely not surprised at all that it happened. And he's got a lot of friends over there and talked about, you know, the honor of family there and how important that is. And I mean, Connor went after him. He called his, you know, his people a terrorist and, you know, accused his dad of doing like literally, you know, filthy things and just, I mean, just, it was bad. And 
you know, in his mind, it's probably just promoting the fight, but yeah, it's like kind of like talking about somebody's mom and dad, like, you know, it should just be off limits in my opinion. I'm totally biased about this because my father's an eighth degree black belt in four different martial arts. And one of the reasons he hardly ever watches MMA is because of how people act. And it's not the martial arts side of it. It's, you know, he's the guy that told me, and it's obviously a phrase that's out there online and everything else. But if you, you know, just see if you win, say little, if you lose, say less. He told me if you win, shut up. If you lose, shut up. And these people don't shut up. They just talk and talk and talk. And there's just a lot to it. I just, you know, it, you know, people are giving Connor credit for not pressing charges. Like, well, yeah, but you just threw a dolly through a through a bus a couple months ago, and there's people that have been injured that had nothing to do with this. That there's still are lawsuits for and everything else. And frankly, if you want worth a lot of money, you'd probably be in jail right now. So it's a mess. The whole thing is a mess, you know. And I think. For people that follow the fight game at all, the one thing I hope doesn't happen, I hope that uh, Tony Ferguson gets his title shot because he's he he might very well be the best guy at that way. And he's just he's had injury problems, and they tried to have the I mean Ferguson fight like four times, and guys have been hurt and this weight and everything else. But I really think they have to try it one more time. So. I know you're a guy that likes MMA, maybe not as, as the nerd level as I do, but what did you think of everything? Well, I, and I think, you know, you touched on it. There's a lot to unpack with that. Um, but one of the, I kind of agree with your dad. It, it keeps me, that kind of stuff keeps me from really getting into MMA. I enjoy the strategy aspect of it. I enjoy, you know, just like any wrestling match, where guys want to be, how they get there you know, how the defense goes, all that kind of stuff. That's always fascinating to me. And I really enjoy watching that kind of stuff. And I don't mind the violence, you know, that's part of the sport. But it's, and I don't even mind so much that they promote the fights and they, you know, talk a little and this kind of stuff. But there is a line there. And Connor was way over the line of what I'm okay with people talking about. Um, You know, he did just, touch and he he does this this is what he has done forever and it's made him wildly successful because there's a market out there for it Um, he will say anything at any time and I I understand why he does because until someone is going to hold him accountable for it he's going to keep doing it I mean he's richer than any of us will ever be because of that largely I mean yes part of it is he wins fights but there's a lot of people in UFC that win fights that never get close to what Conor McGregor has because they're not willing to say these things and act like he does. And that's, that's problematic for me. Um, I thought it was very interesting. I don't know if you saw it, but um, Khabib's dad put out a statement after (laughs) basically saying, I mean, he didn't say it exactly in these words, but you could kind of read between the lines that when Khabib gets back to Russia, he's going to whoop him. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, well, Khabib said he was going to get whooped. Yes, Khabib said he was going to get whooped. Uh, Khabib, said, I believe, said, I will regard it severely. And, you know, I don't, I don't interpret Russian very well, but I'm pretty sure that's, that means the same thing. Like, I'm going to smack him across the head. Um, I, think, I think minimum. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, mean, I grew up with like, I grew up with my dad. Like, if Kirk, was 12, you just knocked on the door at 1158 and let him know you were in because you want to 
you know, he's not a guy you try to sneak one by. Right. And those guys usually don't say a lot, but they're, you know, and I'm dating myself, but they're like E.F. Hutton. When they talk, you listen. And I don't, you know, I mean, the other thing is, like, anybody that thinks they should strip Khabib and all this other stuff, he won the fight. Like, what's got lost in all this is he fought magnificently. His ground control is unbelievable. It wasn't a close fight. And Connor's 2-2 two and two in his last four fights. Yeah. So, I mean, Connor wants a rematch. And, like, really, it's like, why? I mean, I will give Connor credit. He won a round. No one's ever had a round off of Khabib before. So that's, I, mean, I guess that's something. Well, and this is, this is a test of something that the UFC in particular has struggled with. I mean, we've seen it from Ben Askren not getting a shot to, you know, some of their champions hardly ever getting a main event. A lot of times what is good for the sport side, if that conflicts with what is good for the dollars, they go for the dollars. And that's, that's yeah. the argument to go with Connor and Khabib in a rematch over giving Ferguson a shot. I mean, I, it's funny because I told, I told you, I don't follow MMA nearly as closely as I do wrestling. And, you know, you mentioned Ferguson. I had to go look him up exactly. I mean, I'd heard of him, but I didn't really know who he was exactly. So I go look him up and it's like, and as you mentioned, you know, he's, he hadn't lost since an injury several years ago. He's, supposed to have fought Khabib four times. He was supposed to have fought Connor at one point, didn't get that shot based all because of injuries and other things that have happened, not his control. And so here's a guy that absolutely deserves a shot. And I've barely heard of him. I mean, that's, it's criminal, but that's, that's the UFC. If you're not their guy right now, they're not going to promote you. And that's, I have a problem with that. You know, I've, I'm fine with, the showmanship, the promotion to a certain extent. But if you're not going to be a sport, then what's the point of competing? And if you've got guys that are winning that aren't getting shots, I have a problem with that. So, yeah, I agree with you. We'll see what they do. But if you're not going to give Ferguson a shot now, what is the point? In, in my business, they, we always say, hey, if somebody says the name about the money, it's about the, it's about the freaking money. And that's exactly what it is, right? Like you, you hit it on the head. You know, there's a couple things that really stick out to me here. You know, you think about the most successful wrestlers, like, you know, like the last guy to win four titles, Jake, like he didn't talk, he just won. You know, David Taylor is super dominant. You know, you can go through all these guys that are, you know, Kyle Snyder doesn't talk, like they don't talk. They just don't want to be disrespected. But honestly, it's these and you don't see the wrestlers generally be the best junk talkers because it's not in their nature because our sport is humbling. Our sport is, hey, even if I beat you, I have respect for you because I know how hard this is and you gave me a good fight. And the other thing is wrestling practices are way harder than these striking practices. Or, I mean, and, and I do jujitsu and I've done it. It's not as hard. Anytime you can lay on your back, and it just, you know, and I'm not saying you get to relax, relax, but you, there's ways for you to create stalemates and just breathe for a minute. And they teach you, you have to learn to breathe. Wrestling, one of the first thing you have to do in jiu-jitsu is learn to breathe because, one, you're in a complete panic that you're on your back. And, two, there's times you can't improve and you're not going to get a stalemate. You just have to be patient. 
the mindset of wrestlers are different and it's for the better. And it's just very interesting. I don't know, you know, what will happen next. Obviously none of us do, but I certainly think it, it would be bad. I mean, I honestly think that what they might do with McGregor is if Diaz beats Poirier, you know, coming up here uh, in a couple weeks, then they might just have Diaz McGregor three, because that was a huge money fight. So, you know, that, or they might create this 165 pound division and just let McGregor have a title shot so he can be a three weight champion. I could see that happening too, because you don't sign a six fight contract with a guy and let him put his whiskey on the, on the, the canvas and then, you know, like make him play by the same rules as anybody else. It's just, it's not going to go that way. Yeah. And of course we'll have to wait and see what the Nevada athletic commission does. They're going to have hearings for both these guys. Um, you know, I agreed with what you said about Khabib, you know, you cannot strip him. I'm sorry. He won the match. Yes. He went into the crowd, but I think there is a lot of blame to go around for that. And some of it lies on him and he takes his responsibility. And, you know, if he's going to get fined, I'm sure he's going to get fined. He might get suspended for a little while. Um, hopefully not a ridiculous long time considering we've, you know, seeing John Jones get a year and a half for multiple doping violations. But, you know, it's it's one of those things where I hope none of that interferes with Khabib getting to be the champion and getting a reasonable shot, hopefully against Ferguson. And then, yeah, if you want to go make some wild fight for McGregor to pull in the money, do your thing. But come on, give us, give us some legitimate fights too. I think that's my whole point with MMA. I'm okay if some of it's going to be determined by the showmanship and who people want to see, that's fine. But at some point, if you're always winning matches, you need to fight each other. And Ferguson and Khabib have been on that track for a while. So come on, well, you know, do the right thing. Yeah. And that's the beauty of the tournament system, right? Like we talk about this all the time, how you and I, I think I can say this for both of us. We're, we're wrestling nerds. We love the rankings. We love the reasons why. We love the, the debate, the argument about it. But one of the things that we also love is we don't we don't want to decide the 33 guys that show should go into the bracket. I'm not even sure if they gave us the choice that we would want to do the seeds. I think, you know, we're both, hey, let the best person win. You know, and in NCAA men's wrestling right now, let the best man win. And, you know, but if you're the number one seed and I'm the last guy in, we both have a chance to win the tournament. And if you can't get a title shot because you don't curse enough or you don't, you know, you're, you're just, you're, you're the wrong demographic. I mean, there's some crazy things going on in fighting. I mean, if you, you know, you understand anything about like fighting and gambling, like it is crazy when the McGregor fight started with, Floyd Mayweather, it was like a hundred to one. And by the time it went off, it was at seven to one. And they people were betting heavy money on a guy that had never boxed. Against the guy that had never lost a boxing match. Like we could probably do a whole episode of just how that happened and the why. But some of the answers are not very pretty about what it says about society. Yeah, there's a, so, a quote about never going broke betting on the ignorance of the public and it's something of that nature. And it's that, that's one of those things that plays into that. And I'm, I'm not going to go at it too hard because I think there were a lot of people that probably bet 
for fun as much as anything on that so that they could have their ticket and support McGregor. But yeah, that's, it's absurd. And I, yes, I, I'm glad you brought that up that, you know, we like the fact that wrestling is settled on the mat and that's my biggest pet peeve with UFC is that a lot of times it isn't. And it, it boxing went that way for years and finally boxing went away mostly. I mean, I know it's still around, but it's not what it was once was. And I would hope that if UFC continues to go this route, that they will go away too. So we can find something else where we can actually settle who's the best instead of who's the most popular. Cause that's, that's not something yeah. I want to see. And it didn't come into play this time, but I would, they won't do this because it prevents people from being able to be crooked. But it's very simple. They should definitely just post the scoring after each round. And I know the argument against it. The argument against it is, well, if Alex has beaten David two rounds to none and he knows he's beating him two rounds to none, he's just going to coast in the third period to win. Well, then give David a 10-8 round and, and have a five-minute overtime round. Yeah. I mean, because if, if we're winning by four touchdowns, we're allowed to run the ball. Yeah. Well, if we're winning by five goals, we can dump and chase in hockey. You know, if you're winning by 10 runs in baseball, you make sure you don't walk guys. Like, in every other sport, pretty much you can do that. So I don't it, – it, it would, and it would probably make boxing a lot more enjoyable to watch because it wouldn't be so crooked. Right. Well, and, you know, you could even get – and you couldn't do this with a live sporting event. But, you know, in poker – they have those lipstick cams so that you can see the cards so that when you do a broadcast yeah. later, you can see who's got what. And even if they fold, you can see later what they had. Even that, at least that would eliminate the crookedness of possibly changing scores or manipulating scores or any of that part. And I have no idea if that's happening in MMA or not. It has happened in boxing before. Uh, so, but at least then we could go back later and go, oh yeah, they scored this and they, this is what they were doing at the time. Um, obviously, you can't put it up in the arena because someone's going to yell it out, out um, if they're concerned about that. But, yeah, I agree with you. I don't think it's that big of a deal. But even that would be a step towards legitimacy. Um, it, There's no reason not to put it up in the arena. Right. If you take me down, they put two on the scoreboard. Yeah, well, I know. And that's – yeah, I I don't know why they're concerned as much about that as they are. I that That goes back to the whole – it's more about the spectacle than about, you know, the sport. Uh, well, the argument is if you don't know if you're winning, you're going to fight harder. Right. Well, that, and that's my point. Instead of being allowed to play the system and play the rules to win more often, they want you to push for the knockout and to make sure you're going to, you know, they want the bigger spectacle. And, you know, we have stalling rules for largely the same reasons, but it's different in that you're allowed to stall as long as you're okay with the consequences. So I would agree with you. I just, you know, like I said, I haven't gotten into MMA as much for a lot of those same reasons. I just, it's hard to follow an organization like that. Um, they could make some small tweaks that would make me a lot more interested, but they're making a lot of money. So I guess there's not a lot of incentive for them to do so. Well, on my end, to close it out this week, if, I, if we get through the season, and I start realizing you're going to win all these picks, all these picks rather, we're going to start picking UFC fights so I can get back even on the chicken wings. <laughs> well, you know, I want to know, apparently, and you hedged hard. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Wow. No 100 anniversary love. All right. That's good to know. I won't forget. I won't forget. I won't forget, Alex. Oh, okay. I mean, I think your strategy is good, but I told you before, I usually lose bets when I put them on wax this early. So we'll see what happens. Um, next week, we'll cover 184, 197, and 285. So check back for that. Um, otherwise, you got anything else for the people? No, man. All good. Love talking to you. Yep. Episode 101 of Weighing In. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. 